Rabbi Alex Israel recently shared a Facebook post celebrating the completion of the cycle of the Mishnah. He writes, I know that people find it difficult to do some daily learning. I love Mishnah. It is short in bite-sized chunks. Even a small section has a coherence and can be understood independently, unlike a Talmudic passage. Due to its brevity, one has to have a good excuse not to have time to study two Mishnayot a day. Today, so many people are looking for a daily learning option that's not only doable, but meaningful. Mishnah Yomit is a really great choice. With the Mishnah Project, you can learn on our website, mishnah.co, on YouTube, or join hundreds of learners on the WhatsApp group or Telegram channel and receive the Mishnayot on your phone every day. And it costs nothing to join. Join the Mishnah Project at mishnah.co. That's M-I-S-H-N-A-H dot C-O. And make Mishnah study a meaningful part of your day. about modern orthodoxy and religious Zionism and whatever the heck that means. Uh, my name is Ruben Spolter. I'm here with Harab Anit Malibrevsky and Harab Johnny Solomon. Um, we're going to do a live differently. I'm not going to tell you who they are. This is our 100th episode. It's, it's not our official 100th episode. It's our unofficial 100th episode because there's going to be a 100th live episode for all of you RZ Weekly fans whenever we decide to do it. But in our 100th episode, rather than me tell you who they are, I'd rather they tell you who they are. Harav Johnny Solomon, we are, who are you? What is your bio? Tell us about yourself. Who are you? Um, I'm a husband and a dad. You know, we, we need to put those in there. That's actually the most important title. I'm a husband and a dad. Uh, I'm a teacher. I teach at uh, Midrash at Lindenbaum, MTVA, Matan. I'm an editor for Mosaica Press. And uh, I'm what I call a virtual rabbi, a rabbi for those without a rabbi, um, and helping people in different ways and trying to share nice Torah ideas online and in person. That's me. It's interesting that you say that. It's really true because when we talk about our bios, each that I read each week, it's really not about you, your husband and her dad first, but it's what you do. What do you do? And it always makes me think about something that struck me very, very strongly when I made Aliyah. Like in America, that I don't know if I've ever told this before, Molly. Do you remember if I've told this before? I have. I, I don't know if you have, but I. I'll you know what I'm going to say. But in, in America, yeah. when people meet you, the first thing they ask you is, "What do you do?" And what they really mean is, "What is your profession?" Whereas yeah. in Israel, uh, the, they don't ask you that. The first thing they ask you is, "Where are you from?" Or "Where did you serve in the army?" Or "What do I, how do I know you from?" In Israel is about Jewish geography, and in America, it's about it's about um, it's about profession, and I once uh, recently Rabbi uh, Rabbi uh, the Rabbi of um, Boca Raton Synagogue uh, named something in my mind. Goldberg. What? 
Rabbi Goldberg. Rabbi Goldberg, yeah, he wrote, uh, Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg, he wrote a, a blog post about it. He wrote like one of his posts about it. He was at a wedding and somebody asked uh, some guy what he does. And he says, well, I'm a father and I learn. And for my profession, I'm a plumber. And it's, so I always, it struck me when I came to Israel, uh, I started wondering why in America do they, do they first ask what you do? And uh, I mean, maybe you'll think it's cynical. I don't think it's cynical. I think it's very true. I think America as a capitalist society values first and foremost, people evaluate you based on your earning potential. They value you based on your wealth. So when they ask you what you do, they're really asking you, where do I think, they're really asking you, where do I place you in society? How, how important are you going to be to me? How much money do you make? And I, I know that's cynical and it's a little sad, but I also think it's true. So uh, thank you, Johnny, for actually correcting us. Uh, just one second, just before we go to money, you know, it, also differences in, in Chutzaretz, most of my peers do one thing. They have one job that they do uh, in the UK, the US. Here in Israel, a lot of my friends, especially those in education, perhaps less so in high tech, they do multiple things. And so no singular thing is a full descriptor of even the profession that you do, right? So it's a kind of a mosaic of different things. But overall, you know, as I say, those, those labels are, are particularly important to me and all the other things I do are certainly uh, things that I'm proud of doing. It's interesting. If you're talking about differences, we'll get to Mali in a second. Eventually we'll get to Mali. Um, one of the, another thing I've noticed is there's a lot more fluidity between things just a tremendous amount of fluidity. Like in America, and maybe this has changed, maybe because of our, our generation. Like we were still in the generation that you actually aspired, you know, you got a job in IBM and you retired from IBM as, as our parents did. Mm. But there was an aspiration to that. Whereas today it's much, much more fluid. In Israel, it's tremendously more fluid where people will just literally get up and switch careers. Speaking of, Molly, what do you do? Tell us about yourself, your bio. Okay, so also I am a I'm married with four children. That is definitely my main self in terms of my self identity. Um, the most important thing for sure to me is uh, relationships. I'm also a friend. Um, why am I saying that? Because here's a little aside. Um, there's an exercise where people, which I recommend to everybody, it's a great exercise, even if you do it for like a month, to at the end of the day either think about or write three things that you're grateful for, three things that made you happy that day. Um, and I have discovered that, it, like, almost invariably, those three things, it, I, I never say, like, oh, I gave an awesome share today, or, like, um, you know, I was really impressed with myself, or, you know, I'm so happy that I, something related to my external world, the things I'm usually internally grateful for are things that are related to my um, my, my family first, and then, if not, other close relationships in my life. So um, that for sure, you ask who I am, that's definitely my self-identity. I also am a Jewish educator. I am also a social worker. Um, and I work in both of those, both of those areas. Um, but I do want to relate to what you said. First of all, I want to say that the, the thing that you said, I always mention when I teach Megillat Esther, because one of the, meaning, I, I won't give you the entire shir now, but basically I talk about the culture of Shushan, right? Shushan is an extremely materialistic culture. Um, on a lot of levels, which we don't have to go into, but one why Yerub is laughing because we're talking about sure non sequiturs when we promised that we wouldn't, but it's okay. Uh, uh, correct, <laughs> but you did it. You said this is not what we're supposed to talk about today, but we're gonna we're gonna go with the flow. Go with the flow. Um, so so um, Shushan is extremely materialistic in a lot of ways. One of the ways you can see that is every single person in Shushan is defined by his role, right? If you think about it, every single person in Shushan it tells you who they are. 
right? From Mordechai Yudi to Esther HaMalkah, but not, not just that, right? It's Hegai, Srisa Nashim, Sholer, Shomer, Pilakshim, and um, uh, maybe that was Hatach. Um, yeah, never thought of that. That's really yeah, and the Haruchvei Rechash or the, um, what are they called? The seven Yoatzei HaMelech HaChashverosh. Like there's literally, this is a credit to um, Professor Gabi Cohen, who in his excellent, excellent book on Megillot, he actually has a list every single character in the Megillah and what they do, right? Literally, it's the entire, right? And the, 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 think about it. There are so many descriptions of what people do. And he points to that as an example of part of what the culture of Shushan is. Um, and I think it's it's meant to parallel, this is again a whole different share about Megillah Esther. It's meant to parallel the presence of Shushan with the absence of Yerushalayim. And that's not our, that that's not supposed to be our perspective. Um, I, I will say that I agree with you. Um, so you can also actually use it, but the, the the think about the opulence that's described in the beginning uh, of the movie. Exactly, the hedonism, yeah. right? The first eight psukim are all you know uh, a description. I don't know about hedonism; it's glory. materialism, it's beauty, yes. splendor. It, but it's, it is hedonism. It's, it's a hedonistic society. They are drinking enones, It's it's a hedonistic society. Okay. But but I will say that so invariably, my students start talking about different cultures and they start reflecting on the cultures that they come from. Um, and they do notice that, that this question of like, you know, hi, you know, who are you? The answer is I'm, I'm a ex fill in the profession, like in the Megillah. You said it's a capitalist society. I'm for my, you know, my little, you know, I don't, I don't think capitalism is the root of all evil. So I would change the word capitalism, um, to materialism, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. the sign of a very materialistic society. Um, and I, I do think that Israel is different, but I think the reason Israel is different um, is, I, oh, I don't know, another I never thought about... But those don't go hand in hand? Meaning one that's... That's what I'm saying. I wonder if it's also because we're more of a, so we have more of a socialist, um, you know, orientation. Um, and, and yeah, it's an interesting... Listen, I think capitalism is good. I think healthy capitalism is good. I think it creates healthy societies and gives people opportunity and creates... Um, enough wealth to go around that I think that every time you haven't had a capitalist society you've ended up okay with another topic but But that's a different topic (laughs) but my point is um, I'm happy that I live in a country that is also capitalist but also has a very strong social safety net I think that's extremely important Um, and I do wonder if I never thought about that that the socialist roots of Israel that has part of this I always attributed it to the fact that in America um, when when you're certainly an orthodox Jew right you're, you're, you're like your life is 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 kind of um, like you're, uh, it, it, there, there's something more narrow about like what the expectations are of like what careers are acceptable for an Orthodox Jew. You could be mm-hmm. a doctor, you could be a lawyer, you could be a business person. You're not going to find, th- maybe it's changing now, but um, you know, you probably will find fewer plumbers and artists and um, I don't know, um, machine, washing machine technicians. Whereas in Israel, you actually have that. And I always thought it was because it's part of like when you're Jewish in Israel, you're a part of, you're, you're like a full functioning member of society. Again, like it comes back to me to like Rav Cook's vision. Like Rav Cook talks about like the reason we need a Jewish state is to show that it's not just the uh, intellectuals and the intelligen- intelligentsia. However you say that in English, intelligentsia. Um, intelligentsia. Yeah, intelligentsia. Um, that serve God, right? It's not just the rabbis and the nazirim and the and the and the you know and the elite. It's the entire population that can ter- turn everything they do towards service of God or towards being part of the Jewish people. So I always found I always liked that about Israel because I think there's something very healthy about it. Like there's something very full about it. And I think the other reason I like it is because it it kind of jars against this argument that like 
who you are is just what you do. I think that that's also true, right? That's like you could be a, a, a plumber, but people don't think of you as the plumber. They think of you as this amazing guy in the neighborhood who they know from all, all sorts of other facets. You're not you're not you're not identified solely by what you do. Um, but I, I but on the other hand, I want to say something else, which is an interesting thing. Yeah, that, I want to respond to something um, you, you just said. Um, that you said the Israel versus America, you have so many lawyers and doctors. I don't, in a firm community, I think that has nothing to do with uh, Rav Kuki and Vision. I think it has everything to do with the crushing, and it's totally another topic, the crushing impossibility of paying for tuition and the need to be, and the need to be yeah. in the top 5% or the top 2% of community earners in order to have, in order to survive. So you need to be a doctor or a lawyer or uh, own a company. Whereas in Israel, because of the social safety net and because of the much, much more narrow um, uh, salary ranges, so you could be a teacher. Well, if I could be a teacher, I could be an artist. Or I could, you know, plumbers make more money, actually, a lot more money. Meaning, but it, I, I think that the social safety net allows for a much, much broader range of, of possible professions. But that's a totally different thing entirely. You yeah, no, it's something. interesting. interesting. I just to say one more thing, which I thought was, just, was helpful for me because I feel like um, when you go down this road, it's very easy to start being judgmental and to say like, oh, in America, everybody judges by money and we're so much better here in Israel. And a neighbor of mine says, every every community judges, every society judges. So some communities judge by material wealth and other communities judge by academic achievements. Get three guesses where I live, right? Um, <laughs> how many books have you published? Boston? Right? I don't know. I mean, I um, yeah, exactly. Right? And, and, so, and, and meaning every community, I think it's innate human nature to to unfortunately, right, to judge and to, well, and to categorize and to think about status. I don't think it's unfortunate. It's nature yeah. to try to evaluate, you know, value systems, et cetera, et cetera. I maybe, mean, maybe. But the point is that, like, I found that to be a very, like, helpful way to look at things so that it's not so binary, so that you're not saying, like, oh, they're so materialistic and we're so spiritual. And, you know, I, I think that's a, a little bit narrow. So to say, like, okay, so certain communities put the emphasis on, on material and other communities put put the emphasis on, you know, intellectual achievement and, and there are communities that, you know, maybe put the emphasis on like, how holy are you? How spiritual are you? How, you know, uh, neo-Hasidish are you? So every every community judges. And, and I do think though, we should try not to judge. I think that's probably better. I think we should probably just try to work on ourselves. And now that we have strayed very far from what we thought we were going to be talking about today. <laughs> no, we didn't stray, but I haven't done my bio yet. Oh, huh? So who are you? <laughs> uh, I'm Ruben Spolter. Actually, actually, this is, turns out to be the theme of the podcast anyway. I think we're, we're, we're quite fine. Um, uh, I'm not going to do the cliche thing. It's I'm a father and a husband because I, I don't, I mean, it's interesting. I think of myself, I actually learned much more about myself after I left the professional rabbinate than when I was in it. You know, I became a community rabbi. I went to Smicha. I've always been very driven I don't know, I got the bug of the Mashiach bug that we talked about last week. And um, only when I left the rabbinate and came to Israel did I really re- did I realize that the reason that I really loved the rabbinate was because I'm very much a people person. I love interacting with people. So that's why I like teaching, because I, I draw people out. I like, I really, that it's, it's very exciting to me. Um, I actually, I also like sort of drawing from different worlds in order to make learning and Torah more, more approachable. So... I really enjoy that. I enjoy pulling different things together. My wife likes to think, you ever see the movie Michael Clayton? And Molly, you ever see the movie, Johnny? Ah, mm-hmm. oh, nope. great movie. Okay, so my, my wife thinks of me as like a Michael Clayton. He's like a fixer. He's like a lawyer who like knows the guy who knows how to solve a problem. 
You know, and I like to think of myself that way. It's like, who, how can we solve this problem and try to solve problems? I, I, I find like puzzles like that challenging and uh, interesting to solve. So uh, I, I don't know. Like, do I do that professionally in some ways? Do I teach in some ways? Um, does that say anything about me? I don't know. I do podcasts. I enjoy talking to other people and interacting. Um, and that leads us to the topic that we're going to discuss today. This being our 100th um, our hundredth podcast episode, hundredth episode of this RZ Weekly podcast. We thought we would spend some time doing a meta podcast, a podcast about the podcast. Why do we podcast? Who better to lead such a discussion than a licensed social worker? So we're going to enter the, uh, we're going to open the door, enter the office of Molly Bravsky. Do you have couches in your office? Like comfy chairs? I do. I do have comfy chairs. We're going to sit, sit down on the comfy chairs of of uh, Harabini Mali Brasky in Alone Shavut and turn it over to her for our for our group session. Take it away, Mali. <laughs> okay, so I don't really quite think we're going to go that intense and personal, but I am interested. Uh, the things that I was interested in hearing from the two of you and, you know, maybe sharing a little bit also is um, um, why, do you, why do you do this podcast? For the right? money. What do you mean? Per- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> for those big bucks. You get more because you're the engineer as well, right? Oh, yes, I paid right? double. Gets, yes, correct. <laughs> um, first of all, Ruby, you're the one who initiated it. You said there's two of you with Johnny, so you can also talk a little, a little bit about that. So maybe we should start with you. But I did not initiate it, yeah. Okay, so let's start with Ruby. <laughs> so, so what I'm interested in is, like, why did you decide you wanted to podcast? And, and, and I want you to, to... I would be interested in hearing... Um, what you, what you think this particular podcast has to offer? Like, why are we continuing? It just did another, we just did a hundred episodes. What do you think, um, we are contributing? Like if, if you think we are contributing something and if you're comfortable also, uh, maybe a few personal words about like why, why you enjoy doing this? Like, what is it about this the either podcasting in general or, or the dynamic of this podcast that that you enjoy, if I hope you actually enjoy it. I'm first or Johnny's first? Okay. Yeah, you're first. Ah. Because, I, cause, because you're, you're the one who, who initiated the idea of doing this in the first place. So you might maybe want to start us with like telling us the origins of wh- wh- where this came so from. So I have like, so the, the topic of this podcast, which I named, but we're, we're willing to rename it. We don't care. You know, I was just looking for it. Uh, the topic of the podcast is, a, is an issue that's uh, of great importance and passion to me, which is the intersection between the religious Zionist community and the modern Orthodox community and the ways they overlap. Because Israel is, is and these communities are constantly changing and they're, adjust, they're shifting and they're adjusting and there's all these tensions that, that are constantly sort of pulling in both directions, from the Torah direction, from the modern direction, and... And these are things that are interesting to me and things that I think about. And I believe that things that these are topics that are interesting to the other people around us. You know, you could list, we could list five topics. You know, how is people attacking Harab Malamid? We have like, we have five topics. There's always five things that are going on in the world of Israel today that is literally on this, on the, at this intersection, this summit of, of religious Zionism and modern orthodoxy. And these are things that I think are important to be discussed. And so, and, and, and first and foremost, I feel that it, there's very little forum or fori for real discussions, for people talking about and fleshing out issues and talking about these discussions. Um, if you really got a really personal, why did I want to do it? 
I think like if I would go to my bio, Molly, will, I'm sitting on your couch, so I'll, I'll be, in, I don't really hide so much. Uh, as a former shul rabbi, I love the publicity. I love being out there. I loved having my name out there and having people care about what I thought, you know, whether they cared about it or not, at least, uh, you know, for 15 minutes a week, they were forced to sit and listen to me talk about it. And then come, they would complain about it in their shul, uh, you know, uh, over lunch. So apparently they're still doing that, you know, and, uh, and complaining about what we said <laughs> over Shabbos lunch. It's great. You know, and I'm very, I'm very comfortable with that. And I like the idea that the things that I think are making other people think, and they don't have to agree with me, but having an impact on other people and sort of promoting a discussion. And we have seen over the weeks and the months that we will discuss an issue and all of a sudden there'll be an article about it in some place or another podcast will discuss it and it becomes, or somebody will post about it or the other way around. And I like being part of that discussion. I enjoy it. It's something that's, uh, that's important to me. And just on a personal level, uh, you know, we all talk to our spouses and we all talk to friends, but truth be told, like those discussions are very often uh, technical or what happened during the day or how the children are. You don't say like, okay, I want to discuss something like external to me that's, that's an important issue to me who like, you know, like most people don't really have like serious discussions and I really enjoy it. I just like having the time and the opportunity to think about something in a, in a way that's, you know, not pr that we have like just a time to talk about it. And, and I hope that our listeners enjoy that as well. They enjoy the, the discussion and the interaction, a little bit of banter, but just the time to say, oh, I didn't think about that. And I enjoy thinking about that. And that's something that I, I should think about and it's important to me. So let's take a break now and we'll continue with RZ Weekly after this brief message. Shalom, this is Rav Johnny Solomon, and I would like to tell you about the services that I provide to men and women around the world. Firstly, if you have a she'ila, a halachic query or a halachic topic you would like to learn more about as it applies to your life, and you feel that you don't have a Rav with whom you can discuss this question, I offer online halachic consultations. Secondly, if you have some theological or spiritual query, or if you're in need of some chizuk, I provide spiritual coaching. And lastly, if you'd like to learn about a particular Torah topic, I offer one-to-one -one learning. For each of these services, you can book an appointment for a small fee at my website, rabbijohnnysolomon.com, which seamlessly, with the magic of Calendly, then appears in my online calendar. And within a few minutes, you'll receive a message with a Zoom link. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking with you. And we're back. Molly, take it away. I just uh, thank you, first of all. Um, I, I guess the the last thing you said, I would just be curious if you want to sharpen it and, and answer what you think we're contributing uniquely. If you do think we're contributing anything uniquely, like, like why are we doing this? There's so many podcasts out there. Um, are you, there really? Is there well, a podcast like this really? In fact, in Hebrew, there isn't a podcast like this, is which I'm fascinated by. You know, I listen to radio in Israel, and they all just scream at each other. Literally, they scream at each other. It's like agendas and issues, and very little time to discuss and analyze and consider, and you know, consider other people's perspective. Yes, I have a soapbox sometimes, but I don't find that there really is a forum to talk about issues such as these. There are podcasts that I like, but they're political or they're sports or they're whatever. Do you, are you aware of another podcast that, that discusses the issues that we talk about in this way? 
I'm not aware of it. So I think we contribute quite a bit to the, you know, seven or eight or 800. I have no idea how many people are listen to it and, and think about these things. I happen to think what that there is yeah. not a small amount of people that these issues are important for them. And so if it gives them something to do while they're walking the dog or washing the dishes, like I watch or driving to work, and it, it's meaningful, it's a meaningful discussion, and they learn a thought about, you know, Megillah Esther or, you know, something about Reb Zaks or a Jewish issue, I think that's valuable. So I actually think strongly that we are contributing, and I would ask you back, do you, have you found other media or other forums, other than, let's say, Mosaf Shabbat in Makor Rishon, that really, really have considered thoughtful opinions and pieces about issues. Do you, are you aware okay, of that? So, I, don't, I don't know, but I'm going to end with one last question to you. Oh, for me, then, okay. And, then, then I like this, uh, Molly. Uh, I like this. You're, 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 you know, it's like leading the discussion. You like not being the host for a change. Yeah, <laughs> you're great. not the leading. Um, my last question is, we are, ex- we are actually unscripted which I think might be different than other podcasts. I have a feeling most people, most podcasts come to their podcasts with some sense of um, what the questions are, what their answers are going to be. And then, you know, they flesh it out perhaps in some type of, so, you know, more formal way. We're so unscripted we have that, no... I throw, that I throw things yes. at you from left field. It com- completely. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. So I'm just wondering, how, you know, what you think about that? Is that a strength? Is that a weakness? I would not um, want to do a scripted podcast. If you want to get up and read uh, read a script, I personally find academic conferences where everybody gets gets up and read their pa- reads their paper, perhaps one of the most boring thing you could ever do. I can read your paper just like you could read your paper. I like discussion. I like interaction. I, I think I said it before. I'm a people person. I, I want uh, like evoking that reaction and 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 that passion. And you know, even we interrupt each other too much. When you interrupt me, I try, I'm trying to be more sensitive. I'm very bad at that. But when we interrupt each other and we're passionate about something, that's what's exciting to me. So, yeah, script, scripted, eh, pass. No, thank you. It doesn't interest me at all. Okay. Anything else you want to add before we turn to Johnny? No, I'm good. Thank Words. you. Okay, thanks. Okay, Johnny, um, I, could, I can ask you the same questions or you can just, like, share your reflections on those questions, you know, however you want to do it. I can repeat them or you can just start talking. I'll I'll guess. I'm happy to start talking. Um, And I want to both validate a number of things that Ruben has just said and then add to them. So first and foremost, I agree entirely. There are a lot of things that we don't get a chance to talk about. Um, A lot of people have ideas and those ideas go in their mind and stay in their mind. And all too rarely do people have a chance to have lengthy uh, spaces of time to talk through things and conversations are important Uh, we rarely leave this podcast with a conclusion it's all about the conversation sometimes we agree sometimes we disagree but we don't come with predisposed opinions we're happy to learn from one another and respond differently to one another and there's something raw and authentic about that which uh, i very much value and i think is a huge asset to the wider jewish conversation I remember when uh, <laughs> Ruby uh, suggested this podcast to me, I think my initial words were, forget about it. Uh, I'm much more of an introvert. The idea of, of going on a podcast and, and, and sharing my views very much went against the grain. But at the same time, I'm very, very passionate about ideas, about values. And I acknowledge the fact that a lot of the things we've been discussing haven't been discussed, are not discussed, and are not discussed... Uh, sufficiently well and certainly not in the English language 
uh, or even at times even in Hebrew. You know, we call this Aussie Weekly, but within the religious Zionist world, we're not obvious ambassadors of religious Zionism. We're not coming to represent us a particular institution, even though some of us have ties to different institutions. Here we're coming to speak um, about how we feel as members of the religious Zionist community, each of us who've been on a journey, who've come from overseas, me from the UK, both of you from the US. And, um, and I think that's something very, very beneficial, very refreshing. Moreover, you know, a, a lot of people appreciate being represented. And there are a lot of people who may not be exactly like us, but people who've made Aliyah, who have ties to the diaspora Jewish community, who now live here in Israel. And they want to hear those multi-layered uh, identities, questions, ideologies uh, being talked through. They want to hear the struggles of people who are trying to find their place politically, culturally, religiously. And we speak quite honestly about who we are on the journeys we've, been go we've gone on. And I believe a number of our listeners appreciate because by hearing us talk, they say, that, that's me. Or maybe that's not me, but they say, I understand why somebody who's come from that background who perhaps in the school that they used to go to in the US or the UK, things were one way and they've come to a different place and they're trying to figure out who they are. I get that. We've spoken a lot about educational institutions, which very much is a, a hot button issue. Uh, so there's the authenticity, there's being represented there's being a refreshing voice of, of the religious Zionist world, there's having conversations that often aren't being had, there's wrestling with ideas online. And I'd say one further thing, and then I'll stop rambling on, which is, I suppose, before moving to Israel, uh, I'd be even more timid than sometimes uh, I am now. Uh, you know, the, the certain British reserved nature. But in Israel, you do develop a thicker skin, and you also develop a certain grittiness. And if you don't say things, they don't get hurt. And uh, even me, much more reserved, much more introvert, I believe there's some things that have to be said. And as an educator, there are things which I really insist that they get said. Um, and I think this platform provides the opportunity to do so. They may not be the most polished things, but they come from the heart. And sometimes, you know, things that are said really from the heart, from a place of, of, of passion, of, of values, of ideology, uh, we're sharing our views. Uh, they, we're happy to be told uh, ideas and, and uh, feedback that may well disagree with what we may have said. We're happy to sometimes backtrack. None of us claim to be perfect to always have it worked out. But it's that wrestling out loud and, and being straight with our listeners about what we feel, both our struggles and our successes, where things work out with us and where things don't. I think that's what is a, is a significant contribution to Aussie Weekly. Nice. Yeah, Rabin wanted to say something. Yeah, I, I mean, and listening to Johnny, so a couple of things came to mind. First of all, one of the things I think we bring to the table is we're really not beholden to anybody. So it's a very honest conversation. At least I don't feel I'm beholden to anybody, like, you know, too old for that. Um, and I, I feel that, it's an honest, that all of us are honest when we're being honest and when we're, when we're, when we're not. And it's not to say that we don't consider and our thoughts, and I definitely do. And you guys know that even when I like, I did my soapbox a few weeks ago, I thought about it very hard, and I listened to it again before we published it. That we that that it's considered, but but it's very honest, and that goes back to your scripted thing that you know it comes from the heart, like Johnny said. Secondly, 
Another thing I like is that, like, I think that our podcast brings people from, you know, we're all Anglos, fine, I got that, that's obvious, but we really come from different places. We're not, we're not the same. Johnny brings a British perspective. I was in the rabbit in America. You've been here your whole life. And even more importantly, it's, I think we should never take for granted that this podcast and always has a female life. voice. And that's something that, uh, that's not always, uh, that doesn't always appear in the Jewish world. And I think that that's critical. And I think your voice is very important. And finally, I just like to say that I'm kind of enjoying this. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what it would be if you'd be like, yeah, we got nothing. I don't know. I don't think it's worth anything. And like, so I guess on the 100th episode, it's nice to like large yourself and, you know, think about the things that you brought. But uh, I guess I'll take the mic for now and go back to Molly. Molly, like, what, what, are, you, what are your thoughts? What, what have you been thinking about this? You're, you're a very thoughtful person. This has been uh, brewing for a week or so. What, tell us about your thoughts yeah. about the podcast. Well, well, at the 100, well, uh, well I haven't really been Sorry, I haven't been thinking about this for a week. But did you say I've been here my whole life? I've been here my whole my. No. I don't know. You, you okay? <laughs> Unscript. Oh, but yes, my whole adult life. Yeah, I exactly. made your whole adult life. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay. Um, okay. So, so my thoughts are. Um, first of all, I thought that was interesting because um, you know when when Johnny described when Ruby called him up and said, "Would you like to do this podcast?" and Johnny's like, well, "What did you say? No, you've got to be crazy." No, I was way. actually in your house. That's right? not how I, I remember like... it. Actually, I remember you saying. Yeah, I'd love to be part of a podcast. That's it's interesting. What are you talking about? I said, no way. But then you, <laughs> then you convinced me. <laughs> okay, so maybe, Ruby, what you're remembering is me. Because you oh, called me right. up. Oh, that's right. I did. That's right. Yes. <laughs> and you were like, oh, you want to do a podcast? And I was like, sure, I'm in. Um, because, and I think that that's, that's like actually why I'm doing this and why I enjoy doing this. Because I don't like writing, right? Ruby, you're just like, you have to write your article about it. Uh, yeah, by the way, writing. when's the article coming in? Yeah, never. Because I hate writing. <laughs> but you know what I love doing? Talking, I I feel like the medium of speech is much more accessible to me, and I actually am comfortable um, just speaking authentically. And I have peers who are very well respected and very intelligent, and they would never do this because they would would oh they, they would be comfortable writing and they would be comfortable thinking and maybe talking and lecturing or speaking, but they they would never want to be. Um, in an off-the-cuff conversation because they would never really want to be caught off guard. And I actually enjoy it. I actually enjoy these conversations. Um, and and it's really interesting to me. Like, like, like again, I'm not, I don't know. Like, I'm still grappling with, are we bringing something of value to the community? Ruby seems to think so. And Johnny has argued, as he did now, that at least we're bringing a, a, a civil discourse. We're attempting, except that poor Johnny keeps getting interrupted by us. But besides that, we're attempting to have, um, you know, civil conversations and disagree in a healthy way and model that in a world where that's increasingly rare. Um, but I enjoy doing it because I like, I like, um, like you said, Ruby, I like listening and discussing issues. Um, I like watching issues unfold. I like learning and listening, right? I, I feel like, I learn. I learn a lot from the perspectives that both of you bring, right? I, as you is not a surprise to either one of you or our listeners. I feel very passionately about things, and I can have very strong opinions about things. Um, but at the same time, when I hear a different perspective that enriches me, um, I, I, I really—that's the word. I feel very, very enriched by by that by that you know added either perspective or differing perspective or even opposing perspective. And, and I'll, I, I just, my last thing that, I, that I, I'll say is that I, maybe that's also because to me, 
Um, I think I just really value authenticity above a lot of other things. I think, I think, and as I'm getting older, it's, it's just becoming more and more true. Like I just, I like authentic people. Um, I like authentic discussions. I, I just prefer to be in the company of people where the, where, first of all, I, I admire and respect the people in their midot. And that's something I think I can say about the two of you. Um, but it's not just that it's like, there's no, there's got to be an English word for posot, right? But there are no pozo. Nobody here is particularly worried about like, oh, I have to make sure that I'm, you know, again, coming across this polish. And I'm not saying there isn't a place to think about our ideas and make sure we have something valuable to contribute. But I think that that that, that ability to, to just be our real authentic selves and to bring them um, kind of, to bring them to our conversations I, I like that. I like those spaces a lot more than spaces where there's a lot of concern about, um, you know, how what I say is going to be received and what am I projecting? I, I like the, the feeling that that everybody um, everybody understands that, that if we all speak from a place of authenticity, that conversation is going to be it's going to lead to an authentic conversation. And that's that's what that's what I enjoy. Whether it's valuable or not, I don't know, but that's what I enjoy about it. And I think that's actually, as I'm saying it, I think that's an important self-insight for me, which is, yeah, I like authenticity. Like, like it's like, if I had to like, you know, like do like values clarification, it's really high on my list. Yeah. So Molly, I th- did you use this word you said, whether we're having an impact, where, you know, whether, so I want to, I want to just sort of dig down a little deeper. Okay. First of all, what would you, what do you consider impact to be? Uh, I'll just remember, remind you of a story that way back when, when people were still going on scholars in residence, I think you had, I don't know, it was online, it was online, right? Right, when they introduced you, they introduced you, they, they, in your bio, the person who introduced you, introduced you as a member of the RZ Weekly Podcast. So I, I, that, okay. you didn't ask them to do it too, if I recall. I just wanted you right. to remind you that. Correct. Uh, right. So what would you, like when you say impact, what impact are you, wait, wait, let me finish. What impact, what, what does impact mean to you? What, do you? what would you want it to be in your ideal world? And, and then, then I'll ask you another question, which is, how would we get there? Right. So, so my answer is, I don't know. Um, I, I just know that I feel like when you're doing, this is what I think. Um, and I'm going to be very real here right now with, like with us as a group and with, with, I guess, our listeners. When you're doing something of value, it resonates with people, right? That's just how things work. Um, and so I think that the way that I would evaluate whether we're doing something worthwhile is if we had a sense that what we were doing is actually resonating um, with people, um, it, you know, whether and it, big groups of people, small groups of people is not important in terms of like, you know, it's, if you reach one person and, they, and, and it's valuable to them, then that's enough. But the more people it resonates with, well, then maybe that means that you've said something that that's that's impactful for humanity, right? Or for your, your community. So that's what, that's what I think is important to me. Like, is what we're saying, to me, that would be the metric. Are people like tuning in because there's, something is resonating with them and they, and and they are therefore um, finding it valuable to them. Can I respond? I mean, do you mind if I respond? No, not at all. So it's we're not doing a mailbag this week, but uh, we spoke about we spoke about uh, one of the messages we got on our Facebook page was 
from a member of the search committee of the shul whose, whose, bio, whose rabbi search they're, they're, you know, published on the internet. And um, it led to an interesting discussion. But as, as you saw from the back and forth, it was clear that it had, it had garnered them to, to have some thought about the way they were approaching it and led to like deeper discussions. So now, by the way, we didn't say, and Molly, I know you feel that we should have been a little more careful about disguising it, and that's fair criticism. We didn't say what shul it was, and I don't know if this person is a regular listener, but somehow it got its, made its way towards this search committee, and I'm led to believe that this search committee, at least, will have given some thought to, wait, what, how are we treating our rabbi? And you know, a friend of mine sent back to me, and he's like, in our shul, we have this. So I, I think that the sense that I get, at least, I, I don't, I'm not, we don't get tons of mail. We don't really get tons of mail. But the sense is that the people that do listen to it really do think about it. And I get from regularly from a certain amount of people. I don't know if you guys do as well. Johnny, you hear regularly from like a small group of people? Okay. Some people get feedback. Right. Yeah. That, that's, they're, they're thinking about it. And to me, that is meaningful and impactful that they're considering it and that it's part of something that they consider important. At least that's how, that's how I feel about it. Okay, I want to add uh, just two more things building on the things you've said. Firstly, I, I genuinely want to thank both of you for being part of this podcast because every time we have a conversation, it generally ends up to a place that we didn't predict. Um, almost every time that we speak, I hear perspectives that I hadn't thought about and oftentimes even perspectives I didn't know were those that you shared. Uh, you know, sometimes we put people in boxes and we presume we know their politics, their religious ideology, their values. And uh, though you've known each other a little bit more, longer than I've known both of you, nevertheless, over this journey, we've come to realize that however long you've known somebody, sometimes they can hold opinion you had no idea about. It's a real button issue uh, which has been triggered. And, uh, and we then give each other the platform to share that. And that means there's a sense of discovery, unexpectedness, freshness about the conversation, which makes it very stimulating. And though my schedule is often really crazy, and oftentimes we do struggle to find time to record, I make time to find that time because I think it's important for us, and I think it's important for our listenership. I'd say one further thing, which is, through the things we share, ideas, articles, books, hamlat, sot, etc., we also point our listeners to uh, resources towards directions that may not necessarily know about. You know, each of us live in different communities. Each of us fuse our different I identities in our own ways. But certainly what I can say of all three of us is we bring a certain Israeliness to our life and also a little bit from the different worlds in which we orbit, where we work, where we came from, etc. And and so we share things that say that perhaps are unknown. And as a result of that, certainly listeners have often told me, wow, I had no idea about that book or that article uh, or that topic that you raised. That's really interesting. And I think how ideas are taught through in Israel, especially within religious Zionist communities in Israel, is very different to how ideas are talked through in modern Orthodox communities, especially in the US. We could have a whole session about what is the contrast between one and the other. But at times, I think, 
to my friends in the US and the UK, if only you understood the multi-textured way in which that topic you think you appreciate is discussed here, you'll realize there's a lot, lot more to it because we're seeing it from a whole different vista. And we share that vista, and I think it enriches not just the uh, intellectual thoughts of our listeners, but also those to whom they teach. We have a lot of rabbis, teachers, uh, parents who listen to our podcast, and there's certainly a, a ripple effect that comes from what we say. Molly. That, that's it. That's it. So we're going to mm -hmm. do next week? <laughs> yeah, we're just going to onwards and 101. Onwards and upwards, 101. Okay, good. Uh, wow, thanks for this conversation. I have to say also, I want to thank both of you. I know both of you, we're all incredibly busy. But I just, I, I'd say, like I've said it before, I, enjoy, I just enjoy this, this, this time. It's sort of like a hafsaka in the middle of my week. And it's before work and after work, but it's sort of, it's refreshing. It's refreshing to be able to sit and have an enjoyable conversation. You know, we don't go to bars and I don't, have, we don't sit around with coffee and have discussions, but I sort of think of it like a, like a round table with, with people that I very much value. And I hope our listeners enjoy listening in. And I think also enjoy the fact that we enjoy talking with each other. If we didn't like it, it would be bad and we wouldn't do it. You know, and I think that's clear. So thanks both of you. Thank you. Now you say you're welcome. It's like, uh, you're, you're welcome. Thank <laughs> you. Okay, we're going on to our final segment. I thought you said it's not scripted. Uh, yeah, yeah. Literally telling it. Okay, <laughs> we're going to finish with Hamlatzot. Everybody has a Hamlatzah. Johnny, can we start with you? We'll start with your Hamlatzah. Take it away. Yeah, you know, what, one of the words that you shared uh, a couple of months ago was hisket, right? Which is a Hebrew word for podcast. I said, I thought it was podcast. Uh, and uh, I've been listening to a number of new uh, uh, Hebrew language podcasts of which one is titled Shir Echad. It's from Khan. And what they do is they interview musicians and ask about the journey of a particular song that they'd crafted, how it came to be, where the lyrics came from, how the melody developed, who was part of the team, what it represents. And uh, they've probably got maybe about 60 or 70 episodes. Uh, different Israeli singers um, uh, mo from all the different rage, uh, ranges and genres and as somebody who appreciates music but also somebody who, uh, who loves to learn about the, uh, the way art is crafted listening to musicians talk about how words came into song and songs develop into melody a melody then had an impact on listeners and how different listeners interpreted those songs in their own unique ways is something that I found to be very very interesting it's called Shir Echad. It's produced by Khan. Um, and uh, also, by the way, as a complete aside, because they have different singers, like some are a little bit more kind of teeny bop singers who I didn't know much about. And I told my daughters over Shabbat, have you heard of this singer? They said, have we heard of them? How do you, how do you, how have you heard of them? <laughs> and we talked about the, the origins of, of the journey of this singer and uh, how these songs came into being. So that's my Hamlet Self of the Week. Okay, Molly. What you got? Okay, so I yeah, so I, um, I I guess I'll just go with the following, which is for people who are looking for um, excellent works of fiction, um, I want to recommend um, Elizabeth Strout's novels. Her first, uh, the, the, she has written a bunch of novels, but I want to talk about one called Olive Kitteridge, and it actually has a sequel called Olive Again. Um, it's about a um, it, the main character is a woman named Olive, and it's a series of interlocking short stories in which she runs as a theme throughout the stories. Um, but the, but the stories are not necessarily, um, you know, 
she's not the main character in every story. Now, wh- why am I recommending this? Because I, I don't know if anybody else out there feels this way, but I have a very hard time finding novels that I enjoy reading that were written, um, I would say in this century, but at this point it's even in the last century, like 1900s and 20s. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't find fiction that I actually, there's not a lot of fiction that I actually enjoy reading that's from the modern era. Um, and this book is, I find, beautifully written. Um, I think the messages are are beautiful. I mean, and and why? And and, and this is why I think I'm I'm up for, um, on this. This is why I'm recommending it, because the author has the ability. First of all, she's the ability to create very very real characters who are very very flawed, but she's also able to. She also has a has a has a um, a grace about the way she views humanity, um, and a kindness about the way she use, she views humanity. Um, and so she's she she there's she's able to portray people and and characters in a way that makes you want to identify with them and empathize with them and wish them the best. And beyond that, also, she's able to see from multiple perspectives, which I think is so rare in today's society. Um, she can she can give you um, you know a story for, about one character and you think, wow, that that character isn't absolutely terrible mother and then you read the next story and you're like oh yeah i'm that mother um or you know she'll she'll have a character who has a very strong political position and then she'll make and 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 feel very angry at a different character and then all of a sudden she'll make you understand the other character's perspective and that's very rare today and i think we could all use a nice dose of of um remembering shared humanity uh kindness and that everybody's just doing the best they can with what they have. And it's also beautifully written and also just like excellent literature, which I think is pretty rare today. So that's my Hamata. Okay, what's it called? So the, so the first book is called Olive Kitteridge, which is the name of the main character. And the second book is called Olive again. Both right? by? Revisiting Olive. Both by Elizabeth Strauss. Okay. S-T-R-O-U-T. Thank you. Um, I have actually, uh, I gave a Hamata before. It's, it's, called, it's a movie called Michael Clayton, so you should watch it. It's a Clooney movie, so I'm, I'm Molly. I'm surprised you haven't. Uh, I don't. Like, who says I like George Clooney? Something I don't know. Something about it. Okay, that's not my nope. real hamlatsa. My real hamlatsa <laughs> is the Lutzato High Holiday Machzor. The Lutzato High Holiday Machzor. I actually put a. Uh, I, there's, <laughs> I actually wrote an article, a print opinion piece in the, in the in the Jewish Press this week about it, which is uh, which should appear. Um, is a high holiday machzor, is a machzor that was handwritten in Germany about a thousand years ago. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of Judaica that was sold by a French Jewish organization via Sotheby's for $8.6 million or something like that. And there's a whole hullabaloo about, uh, about, um, about uh, whether they had the right to sell it, et cetera, et cetera. But it was sold to a private donor and this money, private, uh, private uh, purchaser, and the money's gonna be used in order to, in order to support this, uh, the French organization called the Alliance Israelite Universelle. So the Alliance is uh, now got 8.6 million bucks more, but you have to see like that Sotheby's put together a video about this Maxor, which is, it's literally, it was like, every, like every, how did they do it back then? They, 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 the community, whatever community it was, uh, you know, hired a sofer uh, to write on parchment in hand, a sitter, and the shliach tzibur daven for everyone. And it's illustrated, and it has gold leaf, and it's beautiful. But the best part by far of this, of this uh, prayer book is that it was, before they sold it, the, they digitized it and made it fully available online. 
And you could actually literally, you know, go page by page, which I did a little bit of, and go through this 800 or 900 year old Machzor, you know, from Germany from a zillion years ago. And there's so much interesting things about it. I'll just give you one little tidbit. When you go to the Ele Ezkara, that's, you know, the Asara Haruge Malchut, so if you go through it, someone during some period of some time, like blotted out the word Beliyav every time it appears in the Machzor. And you know, I'm just curious, like, you know, these are things you can see in the Machzor itself as you go through it. So if you're into this stuff, if you're into ancient Jewish stuff and you like academia, take a look at the, uh, you know, if you want, you can reach out to me. I'll send you the link to the Litzato High Holiday Machzor. That's my, that's my Hamletza for the week. All right, I think that's it. Well, next week we'll have a mailbag. We have some responses we want to get back to. If you have comments or questions, please feel free to contact us. Uh, if you're listening for the first time, welcome. If you're not listening for the first time, or even if you are, if you're on the Apple uh, Podcast Store, please give us a review. It helps other people see it. Or just share it on your feeds. People don't really share podcasts that much, but if you're, if you're in a giving mood, give the gift of RZ Weekly to your friends and neighbors. We much appreciate it. That's how we grow. I want to thank Rev. Johnny Solomon. Thank you, Rev. Johnny. My pleasure. I'm Randy Mali Brodsky. Thank you very much. Thank my son, Pitaka, for our music. Have a great week, everybody. Yeah, okay, you know what? I'll do it differently. Okay, go ahead. Three, two, one. Okay. Three, two, one. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Arzu Weekly, your weekly podcast about religious Zionism, modern orthodoxy, and everything in between. I was actually having a talk with a discussion with somebody, and we talked about this the labels of religious Zionism, modern orthodoxy, and how nobody wants to be labeled anymore, and how people find them jarring, and, and there's such a gulf between them. Do you find that there are less and less meaning these these labels, Molly? Do you, what do you what do you think? You know. <laughs> Sorry. What, what did I say something funny? <laughs> this is going on the blooper reel. We just spent twenty minutes talking about what we're going to talk about, and you <laughs> asked me this question at the left field. Uh, it's a way of introducing. It's starting. All right, three, two, one, stop. <laughs> Okay, fine. Oh my God. Really, we should do outtakes one day. (laughs) So the idea is.